Jacob Cornblue is with us live via telephone. Uh, Jacob is the uh, national political reporter for the Jewish Insider, covers politics with a Jewish angle. He's regularly interviewing uh, government officials, political commentators, and others. And uh, as many of you know, he has been uh, one of the people in the... uh, center of recent activities in uh, Brooklyn, New York, regarding the COVID lockdown. Uh, One of the things Jacob did say to me before the uh, broadcast is that there are certain things you will not be able to discuss this morning, including quote-unquote the case, Uh, but obviously if there's a question you can't answer, he'll simply tell us that. Jacob Cornblue, a happy, healthy, and sweet New Year to you, and welcome back to JM in the AM. A good winter and always good to be with family. <laughs> Much appreciated. And yes, a gesunden winter. We're hoping for everybody in the community and beyond. Um, it must be interesting from your vantage point, uh, not only observing what's going on in terms of the uh, COVID lockdowns and the reaction of our community to all the things that have been happening over the last few months, but literally being a target of, of many. Um, how did this all develop? I know that you were one of the most outspoken people in our community in a noticeably Jewish area of Borough Park, Brooklyn. Uh, one of the most outspoken people over the last few months about taking precautions, being as safe as possible, and taking seriously the Torah edict of seriously protecting our health. Um, how did it go from that to you becoming uh, one of the targets of the Brooklyn community? I believe that my reporting early on the out, after the March outbreak um, about, you know, social distancing violations, which were frankly uh, not only imposed by government, but actually initiated by community leaders and rabbis once learning that we were very hard hit and people were literally dying on a daily basis uh, when I saw... Uh, reports coming out of 20 uh, and 30 funerals a day uh, just in Brooklyn. It broke my heart, but I also uh, was motivated by those who actually, uh, you know, encouraged the community to take certain measures that could save lives. And that was my objective then, and that should be the objective of every individual uh, on a daily basis. Um, I believe that, you know, over the last few months, uh, because there was a reduction in the infection rate, because we were below 1%, certain people believed that we had herd immunity. Certain people believed that the virus actually traveled away from New York. Uh, people became lax, but also uh, the pressure uh, was released uh, from you know, people actually uh, complying with the social distancing measures um, and guidelines. Uh, You know, amid the recent uptick in cases, and when Bill de Blasio and Governor Cuomo uh, stepped in uh, to impose new restrictions on our community, uh, it is then when people who accused me at the time Uh, of being an informer, of a snitch, of seeking harm of the community who, you know, returned to the front of the debate in trying to paint me as someone who collaborated with the government and actually encouraged the government to impose 
restrictions which I disagree and have uh, challenged uh, both the governor and the mayor about. Right. Uh, what happened last week was that certain people uh, who are seeking attention, who uh, were felt emboldened by the following they gained in recent weeks, uh, took it to the next level. And, you know, from social media, from WhatsApp groups, he took it to the streets. And once that escalated, uh, all it took was to recognize and notice me in public, shame me in public, and instigate uh, protests, which resulted in what you read about me last week. And we should point out that you did suffer physical harm. I'm assuming you're relatively okay now, or is that something you wouldn't discuss publicly right now? I mean, I am okay. I'm safe. Thank God I'm talking to you, despite some rumors that I'm not with us anymore. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I am safe, back to work, and trying uh, to do what I did uh, all my years. Right. Which is, you know, be honest, right. uh, be frank, but also focused on my day-to-day work. All right, so we have to discuss Cuomo de Blasio, and we have to discuss whether this is a Jewish-like reaction or not. But before any of that, I'm assuming you're still in the Bar Park area. Obviously, the 20 to 30 funerals per day is not happening, thank God, like we experienced back around Pesach time. But what is happening? In other words, would you as an observer in the community say that, in fact, things are as quiet as they were a month or two ago and that the numbers and statistics might be going up for other reasons? Or would you say, no, Nahum, the ambulance sirens are more than they were a month or two ago? And just like I knew so many people back in April who were suffering from this disease, I actually have a list of people in the community right now who are suffering from it. Uh, You can't deny the fact, and the data shows that there is an uptick. I mean, people are getting sick as well and also being admitted to the hospital. Uh, Things are not as it was a few months ago. Uh, Certainly, uh, you know, statistics speak for themselves. I do believe, though, that here's where, uh, you know, government errors in which, number one, uh, the spike in cases started on August 1. Uh, Bill de Blasio's first press briefing about it was early September, a month later, where we could have you know, spared the community four weeks of actually you know, letting this virus spread uh, um, in this neighborhood um, you know, with a simple measure, which is encourage mass testing. What the mass testing does is basically it gives you an accurate sample of the infection rate. And if there is a spike in cases, it will result in that. But what we saw is uh, people who are getting sick or feeling symptoms were going to the clinic to get tested, and their results came back positive. That's usually the case when people are not encouraged uh, to actually uh, go to the clinic to get tested or there's not a mass testing uh, outreach in the community. And therefore, when the government saw numbers coming in, 200 tests and 4% of that is a positive rate, they were alarmed. 
right. and it grew. But they did not take the first measure, which is encourage mass testing. Second measure, which is, you know, outreach to the community, educate the community who are lax about the certain guidelines and, you know, bring awareness right. that this is a serious threat. It is still with us and we have to deal with it. And, we uh, have to and undertake certain, uh, you know, restrictions that would just bring down the infection rate. And, and they don't need, and they don't and they don't even realize the benefit uh you know time-wise uh, or timing-wise. They don't even realize the benefit if they would have acted the way you just described because we would not have been dealing with Yontif. We wouldn't have been dealing with a situation that is much more resentful in the community than if it would have been for instance in August or early September. Yeah, I also believe that you know once you know it became a public domain, once the spotlight was on these neighborhoods, uh, the governor did another two mistakes, which was, number one, single out the Orthodox Jewish community as a prime target. Not to say uh, that he singled out the community because he hates us, because Governor Cuomo and his father had a long-standing relationship with the community, and the same should be said about the mayor. But I believe that, you know, he could have said there is a spike in certain neighborhoods with a diverse community and certain religious communities who, uh, you know, have been lax uh, with certain um, uh, um, uh, social distancing guidelines. Yeah. Uh, the second mistake was uh, not even giving time to bring down the infection rate, not even giving time for the community to actually you know, implement by outreach, by encouraging people to actually wear masks and uh, uh, practice social distancing, it took about three or four days from when, uh, you know, the government alerted the community until the governor stepped in and said, here are my restrictions, above all, limits that could not be implemented that is unacceptable for any religious community, especially amidst a holiday where most of our activity during the holiday is in these houses of worship. Right. Jacob Kornblu is with us Wednesday morning, JM in the AM. Then there's the other issue, and I don't know how comfortable you are uh, speaking about this publicly. Um, I have a, a degree of comfort when it comes to this. Um, we we saw a reaction in our community, really in more than one of our communities, um, that really goes against the grain of how people view our community generally. And what I mean is when you see violent protests and fires being started, uh, that that's something that's generally not attributed to members of our community. When you see mob-like activity, some of which you were a victim of, uh, it's not generally attributed to our community. Uh, can you excuse any of that, or can I get away with saying that this was completely un-Jewish type, uh, a, an un-Jewish type of uh, way of dealing with it? I mean, it was not only un-Jewish, and it's not only criminal behavior. I do believe that uh, it just caused more harm to the community long-term. I mean, when people watch the news and they see this, uh, their perspective on a visible Orthodox Jewish person is going to change 
for the long term uh, way after uh, this virus is over. And so, number one, you know, people should be safe within their own neighborhood. People should be safe walking on the street. But also engaging in violence, uh, engaging in, the, in this sort of harassment on anyone who is, you know, frankly, either doing their job as a reporter in providing data, uh, bringing awareness, and actually, you know, doing on-ground reporting, but also those who advocate for simple social distancing guidelines, simple steps that would not only bring down the infection rate and therefore, you know, return uh, to the reopening process, but also saving lives. If we can save even the life of one precious soul, it's worth it. And so, you know, engaging in violence, engaging in divisive rhetoric, despite our frustration and anger uh, towards the governor and the mayor, by doing that, we're actually, you know, causing a lot of harm for all of us. And notice you said uh, social distancing and masks. You didn't say the necessity to close stores and to close synagogues. Starting with those- Absolutely not, because I believe that there are two parts to that. There's, number one, the limit on, you know, gatherings and uh, prayer services in shuls, which is, I mean, you know, think of it, okay? Uh, in late March, when the Rabbonim decided to close the shuls, okay, we had a rate of over 50% positive rate. We had, you know, as I mentioned, 20 or 30 funerals a day. People took the, their own measures and the responsibility of staying home and conducting minyonim, you know, on the balconies or uh, in the backyards. But they were never restricted of actually, you know, praying. Right. Here by not closing down the houses of worship, but limiting it to a number which nobody can accept because if you look at Borough Park itself, the neighborhood of Borough Park, you probably have over 100 synagogues just in this neighborhood. Uh, The smallest uh, synagogue uh, with three tables probably has more than 10 people on any given day. Understood, yeah. And so you're putting that, you know adding to that congregations who have hundreds and thousands of uh, congregates uh, on Shabbos or uh, on the holidays, I mean, that is something that is just unacceptable. It just doesn't match with reality because the spike, despite growing, is not so dramatic. Yeah. And number two, you're not unable to enforce it. Look at uh, the government uh, uh, enforcement just over Yomtev. You know, it, I mean, 10 synagogues to get fines, um, uh, fines of uh, $15,000, you know, okay, uh, um, it's unfortunate, but it's only 10 synagogues. Uh, we are glad that it didn't expand. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, if you are going to implement certain restrictions and you're going ahead with it, uh, people expect from government that you actually make uh, good on your pledges, that you actually 
and again, <laughs> if your objective is also right. bringing down the infection rate, you actually have to come up with practical solutions that would actually bring down the infection rate and not only frustrate the community uh, and, you know, uh, make people think that you're out to get them and therefore they would be less uh, motivated to actually comply with the measures. Jacob Cornblue is with us. Um, for this one, remember that we're, we're speaking uh, to a, a diverse global audience at this point, uh, all of whom have an interest in, in, in our community. Um, in one of the interviews, I was asked about the, how does a madman like the one we saw in Borough Park, you know, get this type of attention following? And I said that, you know, when there's a, a void of leadership, you know, that, that void's going to be filled and often filled by somebody who's, you know, got a lot of rhetoric and a loud voice. I explain to us how it works in the Borough Park community. So many of us felt that if one of the Rebbes, for instance, one of the Hasidic Rebbes, for instance, and there are some prominent ones with large followings in, in, in the community, would come out and, and, and literally, you know, physically become a presence in front of a mob like that and say this has to end now, that that would have an effect. Is, is, is it, Am I dreaming by saying that? Or, 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 or are there people, leaders in that community that really could have quelled this almost immediately? Nachum, if I would say what's really on my heart, uh, I would actually play into those who want me uh, to criticize leadership, uh, because clearly uh, I can confirm uh, and agree to every word that just came out of your mouth. Uh, I do believe that it's the responsibility of, of our leaders. Again, it's not only the responsibilities of our leaders to encourage, uh, uh, to undertake measures to actually save lives, but also to uh, make it very clear uh, that violence is unacceptable, not only against a member of their own community, not only in their own neighborhoods, but against anyone. Uh, and I do believe that, um, you know, we shall see if certain steps are being taken uh, that uh, what happened last week will not repeat itself. Do you cringe like I do when you see videos from Sunday of Simchus Torah Kiddishes uh, being given in certain neighborhoods? Um, and the reason I put it like that is because I understand when people, even on Simchus Torah and other public holidays during you know the month of Tishrei, you know, I understand their frustration where they want where they do go out of their way to to make it feel a little bit like a real Simchus Torah and a little bit like a real Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. I, I get that, and I can understand that from, you know, being a member of the community. But when there are rules in the states of New York and New Jersey and they are flaunted the way they were in the videos that we've seen, that makes me cringe. Do you have the same type of reaction? I mean, Nachum, uh, you think it's easy for any of us to walk around all day with a mask, especially sit in synagogues the entire Yom Kippur with a mask, on your face? No. It's uncomfortable. Do you think it's uh, comfortable to live a life where you don't really get to see your friends and family and you are just, uh, uh, you know, uh, limited by seeing them on Zoom and the Wi-Fi reconnecting itself every few minutes? No, uh, it's not easy. Uh, I think that, you know, everybody has the collective responsibility to take measures that will, you know, uh, reduce uh, 
the effect uh, of this virus. And if you do uh, go to a restaurant, uh, you don't have to upload that picture on Instagram. Uh, you don't have to show uh, the world that, hey, um, life is all well, we are back to normal, just because we decided that either uh, we are immune of that virus and that we are okay with what's happening. No, uh, we are not in, uh, you know, usual circumstances. We are in a very, very difficult period right now. People are in the hospital gasping for breath. People are actually losing their lives because they're helpless, because they cannot uh, get uh, treatment for this virus. And so we should all uh, have a responsibility to, you know, to just comply with the most simple uh, guidelines that were provided uh, by the experts, <laughs> not by government, not by Mayor Bill de Blasio, not by Andrew Cuomo or by any other Democrat, uh, so to speak, uh, to infringe our religious rights. No, uh, we have a collective responsibility uh, to save lives, and that should guide us on any given time. Finally, um, many of us this summer were frustrated when it seemed that uh, police forces around this country allowed uh, criminal behavior to go unchecked and uh, and get completely out of hand. And we don't have to go into detail. I think everybody's lived through it, uh, hopefully not personally. Um, can I assume, and I, I'm sort of conjecturing from, from, your, from your posts and from your analysis over the last few days, can I assume that you're still thankful and impressed by the NYPD that in certain situations where you really needed them, they were there, or, or am I giving them too much credit? No, certainly the job of law enforcement is to protect its citizens. And uh, last week, um, I got that protection. On Sunday night, when a mob uh, um, protesters gathered outside my home um, uh, trying to storm my building, yes, the NYPD guarded that entrance, and me and my family were safe. So I have to give credit for the, um, for the NYPD, but law enforcement in general, uh, for protecting us. But I do believe that uh, government's role is to not only uh, punish those who uh, conduct criminal behavior, not only uh, take uh, impose restrictions on a certain community just because, just because it's uncomfortable for them. But I think, again, going back to what I uh, said uh, early on in the program, which is uh, a collective responsibility to actually deal with reducing the infection rate, and that could be done by uh, practical solutions that were offered by certain lawmakers and certain people within our community that would actually collaboratively uh, uh, work between uh, government and community. Uh, people would not feel singled out. People would actually be encouraged to do that. And we would all uh, be in a much better place. Well said. Uh, very much appreciate you being on this morning. It was worth the wait. By the way, is a Jewish insider taking a position on uh, on the Senate confirmation hearings? Are you impressed by the uh, by the proceedings or not? Jewish insider is reporting about everything that is happening in the world, and I encourage all your listeners to sign up for our 
morning newsletter. Well said again, and yes, it's well worth it. Jacob, thank you very much. Stay safe, and uh, know you have a lot of friends who care a lot about you, and I thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate that, Malcolm. Thank you. Jacob Cornblue, Jewish insider, uh, very much involved, uh, whether whether uh, he intended or not, in the current situation that has been going on in uh, Brooklyn, New York, regarding COVID restrictions and our community's reaction.